You are listening to Mid-City Vineyard Church Podcast. Mid-City Vineyard located in the heart of New Orleans, Louisiana. You can check us out on Facebook at Mid-City Vineyard. Also on Instagram at Mid-City Vineyard. Over the last couple of weeks, we have been in a series entitled Hope 2016. As we press in in the United States to the elections coming up in November 2016, we've been looking at where our hope really resides as followers of Jesus. In this particular talk entitled The Ways of Kingdoms, we spend our time comparing and contrasting the kingdom of the world to the kingdom of God. A power over kingdom versus a power under kingdom. We spend a good deal of time looking at what Jesus says when, when he says, Give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. What does that mean for us today? Thanks for checking us out. Enjoy. So we live in a, a country, a world, uh, 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 where governments and leaders and rulers are absolutely necessary. And I'm grateful for governing law. And I think you are too, because if you didn't have governing law, I, we, it really would be anarchy. I mean, it would just, it would be running rampant. Um, uh, evil would be going crazy. And so governments, to some extent, I mean, they've been designed and they've been created to keep things in check. And so I'm grateful for governors, I'm grateful for, for presidents, I'm grateful for kings. Uh, uh, some governors, presidents, kings are better than others, and some are much better than others. In Romans 13, the Apostle Paul writes uh, in that particular chapter, and most of it is about earthly governments. He says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. So if there were no other, if that, was the, if that was the extent of scripture, if that's all we had, then we would just have to take this as, as a blanket statement uh, and say, okay, well, all authority is obviously from God, and so we have to obey them. It, it requires, scripture requires of us this, uh, uh, this unquestioning obedience to government and authority. That's if that was the only passage of scripture that we have. But it's not the only passage that we have. We have an entire uh, compilation of text. We have an, an entire number. Well, we have 66 books that make up the scriptures of God. Uh, and we have the Holy Spirit that lives within us, that guides us and drives us and directs us and speaks to us. So it's not the only thing. Therefore, there might be a little bit more to understanding this particular passage the gospel of Jesus Christ and we, we have to always remember this but it, the gospel is for all of humanity it's not just for the, the 30 or 40 of us in this room tonight the gospel of Jesus Christ is for all of humanity the scriptures are the same for those of us in this room here as they are for the Baptist uh, church that's meeting down the street tomorrow as they are in, in for the churches in Wisconsin and the churches in Connecticut as they are for all of the churches in America as they are the same for all of the churches that gather tomorrow in Ethiopia and in Syria and in China and in Japan the text the scriptures they, they, they must, there's, there's got to be some way that these, these scriptures connect, not just with us 
as Americans in 2016, but what works for us must be what's working for Christians in Syria tonight who are underground, literally being chased down for their lives. I mean, they're actually Jesus followers that will be executed tonight for being followers of Jesus. So how, do, how does this stuff work for them? How is it interpreted there? And is it the same for us? And I, I think it, it indeed could and should be. In Matthew 22, verse 21, Jesus says, when he's, when he's talking to, uh, to a group uh, of, of disciples and Pharisees and various others, they're saying, hey, what do we do about these whole, this whole tax situation? You know, it, you, the, these guys say we should pay taxes. These guys say we shouldn't pay taxes. Jesus, what do you think? And Jesus says, give me a coin. They give him a coin. And Jesus says, whose image is on the coin? And they say, Caesar's image is on the coin. So Jesus says, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. And give to God what belongs to God. Last week. Mary read this passage for us, and, and as we were beginning worship, uh, I, I took us through a, we went through an exercise, and, and we said, okay, so, you know, we could do this now, look at, look at a, a bill, you know, a $100 bill, who, who is, who's on the $100 bill? Benjamin Franklin, okay, and so Benjamin Franklin, <laughs> well done, <laughs> Benjamin Franklin represents Caesar, because in this passage, Caesar represents government. Okay, Caesar represents the state. So give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. But then can you, can you get this image in your mind of Jesus saying, and you know what, Newman? Give to God what's God's. And now all of us in the room look at Newman and, and we're looking and we say, well, what, what, what imprint? We see Benjamin Franklin imprinted on the $100 bill. What imprint do we see imprinted upon Newman? What imprint do we see? Jesus, the image of God. And, and you know, this is why Jesus goes throughout the Gospels talking to us about loving our enemies, about laying down our lives for the sake of others. All these things is because every human being on the planet, every single human being, there's not one that you will find that does not have the imprint of God upon them. Every human being. Now, some are truly distorting the image of God within them and upon them. But you won't lock eyes with another human being that's not creating the image of God. Can you get this picture now of Jesus saying, so give, give your, I don't have any cash. So give, give your money. Do, do that. Give to Caesar. Give to the government what belongs to the government. And give to God what belongs to God. Now let's think this through. What is due to Caesar? What is due to to America's government, because that's our Caesar, okay? Because there, there's, there's Caesars all over the world. Don't, don't forget this. Understand, this is government. So what is due to America's Caesar? When Jesus says, give to Caesar, what is Caesar's? Well, um, I'm, I'm not going to open the floor here, because I think it's going to get really scary. So we'll open the floor at my house. But let me, let me give you a couple things. Respect. I think respect for authority. That's one of the things that Paul's talking about in Romans 13. Respect. Uh, what about taxes? Well, I, yeah, it looks that way. I mean, Jesus, Jesus seemed to say, I mean, that was the very question. But yeah, taxes, that, that belongs to the government. Uh, what about prayer? Uh, there's, there are other places where Paul actually instructs us. He says, listen, pray for Caesar. Pray for the government. Pray for the leaders. And let me, let me give you one thing real quick, going back to Romans 13, when it says that God places authorities in place. 
take, take the word there, authorities, and go back to governments. Go back to the systems because God, uh, it, it's, you're very hard pressed to look through scripture and believe that God actually put Hitler in place. Like God was like, oh, that seems like a great guy. I'll put him over Germany. Yeah, no, he, he put the systems in place to keep people in order. And leaders have free will just like the rest of us, and they go just nuts. Okay, so, so what do we, again, to those authorities. Uh, I think to, to be good citizens of the Caesars, of the governments that we live under. Now, I don't want you to ask this out loud, but I want you to think about this in your heart. What do you owe to the government? What do you owe to the Caesars? Do you owe to die for those governments? Is that what you owe to Caesar? Give to Caesars what is Caesars? Is it to die? Do you owe those governments to kill for those governments? Wrestle, think. Well, what if you do? What if, what if you move to a, to a different country with a different Caesar? What if you marry a, a, a Russian man and you move to Russia and you become a Russian citizen? Or what if you uh, decide you know, you're going to go and be a missionary uh, to a particular place and you t gain citizenship there? Now you have a new Caesar. So what do you owe that Caesar? What do you owe that government? Do you now owe them? You know, taxes, yes. Respect, yes. Do you owe to die for them now and for their cause or to kill for them and for their cause? I think these are the kinds of things that Jesus is getting at. How do we weigh these things through? Well, what about the kingdom of God? Because Jesus says, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, but give to God what belongs to God. What belongs to God? As a person, uh, what, what, do I, what do I give to My loyalty? My, my, my allegiance? Uh, is God, is his kingdom one to die for? Now, he seems to indicate... <laughs> oddly enough, in many places, that his is a kingdom that one might die for. Because he says, give to Caesar what belongs to him. Make sure that you understand what belongs to Caesar. And make sure you understand what belongs to God. Your life belongs to God. What about to kill for in God's kingdom? I, I would say no. <laughs> I, I, I would say that the, the very God of that kingdom, the king of that kingdom, who is the one who says, you know, don't don't take life, would say, no, don't even take life for my kingdom. The church has gotten this very wrong. I mean, just look at the Crusades for, for centuries and centuries. The church was literally killing for God. Like, that's amazing. How did we miss that? Give to Caesar what's Caesar's, give to God what's God's. So my question and, and what I would put forth to us as a church is, what does that mean for us? What is Caesar's and what is God's? Think through it again, even for our Syrian brothers and sisters. Because uh, they've got to wrestle with the same question. But what is, what is Caesar's and what is, what is God's? There's a thing about kingdoms. And, and maybe, maybe, that question, maybe that question comes too early in, in this particular talk. Or, or maybe the timing is good because now we can, we can say, okay, that... For some of us in the room, like that, that rattles me. I had this conversation with a buddy just last night, and we both sat on my sofa. We're talking back and forth, and we're like, we're both going like, Ugh, I don't know. This is, this is, I don't know, I don't know. So I'm in the same boat with you. I'm, I'm wrestling through it. But let's contrast kingdoms for a minute. Let's see where this takes us, and then, uh, then we'll pr pray for for ourselves. Jesus says in First John, He says, "Listen, don't love the world or anything in it." 
Now, I want to explain this to you. The world here, Jesus does not mean don't love the earth. Don't love the planet. Don't love the, the, the art. Don't love uh, movies. Don't, he's not saying that. He's not saying don't love the people. What Jesus is saying is don't love the world. Do not love the system that runs the world. We're talking about systems when we talk about kingdoms. We're talking about the kingdom of God is one system. The kingdom of the world is another system. We're talking about modes of operation. Over here, I have two different computers. I have a, a PC. I have a Dell. Okay, this, this, what, what operating system runs a PC? It's a Windows, right? Windows operating system. Windows runs this PC, okay? Now, this here is a Mac, and Macs have their own operating systems. I think we're on El Capitan now, or we might have even gone to the next one. Now, Mac, what is it on? Sierra. Oh, we're on Sierra now. I'm not. I'm still on El Capitan. So, here you have your Mac has one operating system. Here you have your PC, which has a different operating system. Now, if you are a PC person, and then someone's like, oh, here, pull this up on my Mac real quick, you know already how this goes. <laughs> you're, you're quickly like, what is this? Like, the buttons aren't even the same. They're not in the right, like, everything is, is backwards and everything. And, and, and if you're a Mac person, and it's been some time since, since you've come to the light, and when, it's hard, to, because you even notice the colors of these computers, right? So what we're gonna do is that we're gonna have one represent the kingdom of darkness, okay? And we're gonna have the other represent the kingdom of God. Okay, so just for illustration purposes, I want you to understand, okay? So, so now, now this, this, is a, this, is, this is the real deal. I want you to think modes of operation. Because the kingdom of God, when Jesus says, I've come to bring the kingdom, I am bringing something that is completely alternative, completely different. You have been, and, and now I'm going to use that as an illustration. Don't, don't get upset with me about Mac versus PC. But you have been working in Windows your whole life. And I know that you feel like Windows is where it's at, but I want to tell you, I've come to bring you a new system. I want you to understand that there is a whole nother world out there. And it's, it, it, it is a more beautiful, it is a more generous, it is a more kind, it, 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 is, a, it is a better world. It's a different system altogether. The kingdom of the world is a system that is characterized by people and groups and corporations and governments exercising power over others. That's how things get done in the world. The way things get done in the world is by exercising power over others. This is how things get done in your, in, wherever you work. Wherever you work, that's how things get done. You know, that's why when two people are up for, for a promotion, you very rarely see them, these two people uh, compete in such a way that says, no, 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 you, you, you do that. That'll give you a better chance at the promotion. No, 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 you do that. That'll give you a better, no, 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 you, no, no, you. No, it's more like, I know if I do this, I got a better chance at the promotion. And if I don't tell them that I'm doing this, they won't ever even know to try to do this. And so, you see, I mean, we're all, everything that we do, we're trying to always, you know, this is how corporations work. This is how individual lives work. How can I position myself for 
this next thing, whatever it might be. It's uh, commonly could be referred to as a tit-for-tat kingdom. Tit-for-tat. Kingdom of the world. You know, you do this to me, I'm going to do this to you. You do this to me, and I'll, I'll get you back in this way. Um, I've told this story umpteen times, and so you've probably, if, if you've ever heard my stories, you've probably heard these stories before. But I remember when Christy and I bought a house back uh, in Kenner uh, about eight or nine years ago, and one of the things that sold us on the house were these amazing oak trees that just, they, they just rose to the, to the heavens in our backyard. And when we were looking at the house, I remember this backyard's amazing. The shade, the beauty, these oak trees. The only problem was these oak trees were on the other side of the fence. So they didn't belong to us. They belonged to the guy behind us. But, you know, these were solid, beautiful, gorgeous trees. These trees aren't going anywhere. And the day we bought the house, we close on the house. We get the keys. We do what most homeowners do. We go straight to the house because we, we want to go sit in our brand new house with no furniture and just be like, yay. And we're there. We're sitting on the floor just, Yay. And I look out the back window, and the backyard is filled with limbs from the oak tree. My backyard filled with limbs. So I walk into the backyard, and I, I, know the, the, I mean, the limbs are this high. They're just covering the backyard. And I look up in the trees, and there's a man with a chainsaw attached to a rope in flip-flops. <laughs> And I look up in the tree and I said, hey, buddy, uh, I'm Brian. I just bought this house. Oh, hey, Brian, welcome to the neighborhood. I'm, I'm your neighbor, Joe. And so Joe is my neighbor. He owns a house and, and he's cutting down the trees. And I said, Joe, what are you doing? He says, oh, man, these trees, I've been wanting to get rid of these forever. And so I'm just, I'm pulling them one down. And so now I got this thing and I'm like, oh, man. So I'm already upset and I'm behind. And, and then I realize, I'm like, man, I, Joe, Hey, Joe, what about these branches in my backyard? And Joe says, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, he's like, are you going to need help getting those out of your backyard? <laughs> yes, Joe. I'm, no, I don't really need help. I just need you to get them out of my backyard. I mean, that's what you do, right? Um, well, Joe didn't help. And so I'm, I'm dragging these branches out of my backyard. And it's taking, this is the first project I have to do in my brand new house. I don't want to be doing this. And then I got this thought. I was like, I guess I could just throw all the branches back over the fence. <laughs> I mean, because that seems like, and I immediately realized that everything inside of me wanted to throw the branches back over the fence because I was angry at Joe, and uh, I was I was annoyed by Joe, and I just didn't think I should have to be doing this job. And so, if I was going to exert energy, I was going. I thought maybe I should exert it in a way that gets Joe back, lets Joe know I'm upset with Joe, or whatever it may be. And so I picked up the next branch and chucked it over the fence. And it thudded in Joe's yard, and I felt better. And so I picked up another one, and I thudded it over the, threw it over the fence. Man, it's starting to feel good. And all of a sudden, I truly felt like the Spirit of God say, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm getting Joe back. That's what I'm doing. And, and this, you know, I, I think this is the simplest way, and, and really, honestly, more one of the more innocent ways, and yet of this is a tit-for-tat world. This is a tit-for-tat world that we live in. It's how systems, the system of the world operates. And so when it comes to government, listen, this is, this is so true of government too. All government, all government operates according
according to power over. I told you last week, like we're in the middle of a race trying to figure out, Americans are trying to figure out how can we stay in charge of the world? That's what we're trying to figure out. How can we stay on top? How can I personally, which, uh, which of these two candidates will help me personally stay on top? It's a power over system just in general. That's how all systems are, all worldly systems. And world systems, power systems, don't do anything to change people's hearts. They only do, they, we can only change behavior. That's why we implement laws, we revoke laws. We're just trying to change behavior. That's what we're doing. John says again in 1 John, he says, look, the whole world, though, you need to understand this, Christians, all the whole world lies under the power of the evil one. So there is this kingdom of darkness, and according to the scriptures, and it seems very much according to Jesus, that the whole world is currently, all governments are under the rule and the reign of the kingdom of darkness. They just, they just are. There is not a worldly kingdom of God. There are, only, there, there are only two kingdoms. There's God's kingdom and there's the world's kingdom. There's God's way of doing things and there's the world's way of doing things. Some of the world's ways, like America's ways of doing things in many cases are better than Iraq's way of doing things. Okay? But it doesn't mean that America's way of doing things is the kingdom of God way of doing things. You just, you, you, can't, you can't get there. You can't make that jump. Because where this person is against abortion and we say, well, that'll, that's good. That line seems to me to line up with the kingdom of God. Well, but they don't mind destroying the environment. Well, that, it's, it's, it's God's world. So destroying the environment can't be uh, okay either. So how do we, you know, where this person wants to take away this person's rights, that doesn't seem like God's way, but this person wants to elevate that. You know, I mean, like you just, there's only one kingdom of God. And so we understand that there is a, a there is a dark presence about it. So again, the kingdom of God is not a Christian version of the kingdom of the world. There's a stark difference. So let me give you a few of these. The kingdom of the world. Here, I'm going to give you a checklist as, as we move um, uh, to conclude this. The kingdom of the world. Here would be a checklist. The kingdom of the world operates by power over systems. But the kingdom of God, as shown to us, embodied by Jesus himself, the kingdom of God is characterized by power under. Where you see power over, see Jesus stands before Pilate, and Pilate says, are you a king? If you're a king and you're so great, why don't you do something about it? And Jesus says, I am a king, but my kingdom is not of this world. If it was, my, my disciples would be fighting right now. Do, do you get what he's saying? If my kingdom was a kingdom like the kingdoms of this world, there would be chaos out in the streets because my disciples would be fighting their way in here to set me free, but I'm choosing to lay my life down. I'm coming under you, Pilate. I'm coming under all of creation in order that I might give my life, that I might rise from the dead, in order that I might redeem and restore the whole planet. It's a power under. The, the kingdom of the world seeks to conquer the kingdom of God seeks to transform, transform hearts. The kingdom of God wields the power of the sword. That's how the kingdom of the world gets things done. The kingdom of God wields the power of the cross. That's why Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, pick up your cross and let's go. Lay down your life and you'll gain it. 
The kingdom of God focuses on controlling behavior. Or I'm sorry, the kingdom of the world focuses on controlling behavior. The kingdom of God says, no, nah, controlling behavior, that doesn't do anything. Let's transform hearts. The kingdom of the world looks to advance its own will. The kingdom of God is centered on carrying out God's will. The kingdom of the world is self-centered. The kingdom of God is characterized by self-sacrificial giving. A few more. The kingdom of the world returns evil with evil. The kingdom of God returns evil with good. The kingdom of the world has the need to be right. Let me just say I struggle with this one greatly. <laughs> the need to be right. And yet in the kingdom of God, the value is the need to do right. The need to do what's right. And in the kingdom of the world, it's about what I get. But in the kingdom of, of God, according to Jesus, it's about what I give. What I give. There's a stark contrast between the two. So here's how it works. Because as kingdom people, Jesus says, look, come follow me. Repent. You've been working on windows. Repent. It, this is not even necessarily like this groveling at Jesus' feet kind of thing. Repent is, look, you're coming to more of an awareness that the system that you've been living according to has, has some faults and there's some backward stuff. So repent. Leave that stuff behind and, and come. You, you, you're realizing that you have this excessive need to be right. Repent. Repent. Lay down your need to be right and come and follow me and get in on what I'm doing and, and, and just have a, have a more intense need of doing what's right. But see, here's how it works, and this is where we're going to pick up next week. But Jesus says, come and follow me. Pick up your cross, follow me. Lay down your life. You'll gain life. The kingdom is here. You can get in on the kingdom. Here and now. He's not talking about heaven. He says, now. Come get in on this. And he says, church, I want to call a people to be set apart. A people who will not bow down to the systems of this world, but who instead will bow down to me as king and ruler and who will do my will and who will love me as I love you. I want you to embody to the world what my kingdom looks like. If you've ever wondered about what persecution really looks like, listen, persecution is not going down to the French Quarter and holding a giant cross and shouting, Sinners, find Jesus! And then someone spits in your face and you're like, Oh, I was persecuted for Jesus. <laughs> no, you weren't. You were persecuted for being annoying. You know, it's like that's what happened there. That's what went wrong. To be persecuted for Jesus, it, I'm like, this, this is the stuff that Jesus is talking about. Like, to really be persecuted is, you know what? I know I have a right to freedom of speech. It's an American right, but maybe right now the Spirit of God's saying, I don't care how much of an American right you have, I'm telling you not to speak those words. Yeah, but if I don't, then they might win. I'm, but I'm, I'm, I'm asking you for something different. I'm asking you to be someone different. I'm asking you to move in a different light, in a different kingdom, reality. When we do this, we will understand that it does not matter. And this, listen, I, at the end of the day, it does not matter if Donald Trump becomes president 
or if Hillary Clinton becomes president because both candidates are over governments that are parts of the system of the world, period. Now, with that being said, you pick the one that you think, or the third party, or right some way. Chuck Norris seemed like a good idea. I wasn't even in my notes. That might have been from the Holy Spirit. So, you know, but, but you, you, you go vote and say, well, I think this one would be better for, for, for me in this situation and for the, for the country in this situation. But then also, I've I got to say, like when you're, when you're really going to press into this, read Matthew 5, read Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and maybe try to line up your votes with, with how Matthew 5 even, even uh, what Jesus says is important. Because really, sometimes the stuff that's important to me isn't necessarily the stuff that's important to Jesus. That's just, I, just as your pastor, I, that's how I feel. I, sometimes things are really important to me, and I get to praying about it. It's like, oh man, I think it's really important to me. And Jesus doesn't seem to think it's quite as important. <laughs> sometimes. But Jesus has called us to be people of mercy, people of grace. Jesus has called us to be people who live by the ways of his kingdom rule and his kingdom reign. And that's why I feel confident that whoever gets voted into office, they will just continue to go about running a particular system, but it's not going to change one single thing about who we are called to be as people of the kingdom, as Jesus' followers. It won't change one thing. And if that's true, then we don't have to work ourselves in such a tizzy about who's going to get elected. Does that make sense to you? I know it's not necessarily easy, but I, I would encourage you to, to, take, to take this and to take these thoughts. I'm, gonna, I'm going to post the discussion questions that we're going to use over at our house tonight. I'm going to post those on the MCV Connect page. And so if you're not able to come tonight, it's just a few questions just to, just to wrestle with the Holy Spirit with yourself maybe this week.